word this morning. Let it minister to our hearts, change our lives, motivate us, encourage us, challenge us. Do what it's supposed to do. In Jesus' name. We all set? Amen. Go ahead and um, open up your Bibles this morning. For those of you who are visiting here, we have been going through the book of Genesis. Um, and so we are on chapter 7 of Genesis. So we're going to be reading actually the whole chapter of Genesis. And we're going to also go into a little bit of chapter 8. <coughs> I saw some people from La Puente or from the Mother Church down there. Where are you? I, I beg. Oh, there you are. Okay, I see a hand. They're visiting us from uh, La Puente. They were here for Run for Hope. And uh, it's nice to have you with us this morning. Amen. Amen. Genesis chapter 7. The title of this message is called God's Tsunami. Chapter 7 reads like this. When everything was ready, the Lord said to Noah, Go into the boat with all your family for among all the people of the earth. From among all the people of the earth. I can see that you alone are righteous. Take with you seven pairs, male and female, of each animal I have approved for eating and for sacrifice. And take one pair of each of the others. Also take seven pairs of every kind of bird. There must be a male and female in each pair to ensure all, that all life will survive on the earth after the flood. Seven days from now, I will make the rains pour down on the earth, and it will rain for 40 days and 40 nights until I have wiped from the earth all the living things I have created. So Noah did everything as the Lord commanded him. Noah was 600 years old. When the flood covered the earth, he went on board the boat to escape the flood. He and his wife and his sons and their wives. With them were all the various kinds of animals, those approved for eating and for sacrifice and those that were not, along with all the birds and the small animals that scurry along the ground. They entered the boat in pairs, male and female, just as God had commanded Noah. After seven days, the waters of the flood came and covered the earth. When Noah was 600 years old, on the 17th day of the second month, all the underground waters erupted from the earth, and the rain fell in mighty torrents from the sky. The rain continued to fall for 40 days and 40 nights. That very day, Noah had gone into the boat with his wife and his sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and their wives with them in the boat were pairs of every kind of animal, domestic and wild, large and small, along with birds of every kind. Two by two, they came into the boat, representing every living thing that breathes. A male and female of each kind entered, just as God had commanded Noah. Then the Lord closed the door behind them. For 40 days, the floodwaters grew deeper, covering the ground and lifting the boat high above the earth. As the waters rose higher and higher above the ground, the boat floated safely on the surface. Finally, the water covered even the highest mountains on the earth rising more than 22 feet above the highest peaks. All the living animals on the earth died. Birds, domestic animals, wild animals, small animals that scurry along the ground, and all the people. Everything that breathed and lived on dry land died. God wiped out every living thing on the earth. People, 
livestock, small animals that scurry along the ground, and the birds of the sky. All were destroyed. The only people who survived were Noah and those with him in the boat. And the floodwaters covered the earth for 150 days. But God remembered Noah and all the wild animals. I want you to say, and God remembered Noah. That's an important point. And all the wild animals and livestock with him in the boat. He sent a wind to blow across the earth, and the floodwaters began to recede. The underground waters stopped flowing, and the torrential rains from the sky were stopped. So the floodwaters gradually receded from the earth. After 150 days, exactly five months from the time the flood began, the boat came to rest on the mountains of Ararat two and a half months later. As the waters continued to go down, other mountain peaks became visible. After another 40 days, Noah opened the window he had made in the boat and released a raven. The bird flew back and forth until the floodwaters on the earth had dried up. He also released a dove to see if the water had receded and it could find dry ground. But the dove could find no place to land because the water still covered the ground. So it returned to the boat and Noah held out his hand and drew the dove back inside. After waiting another seven days, Noah released the dove again. This time the dove returned to him in the evening with a fresh olive leaf in its beak. Then Noah knew that the floodwaters were almost gone. He waited another seven days and then released the dove again. This time it did not come back. Noah was now 601 years old on the first day of the new year. Ten and a half months after the flood began, the floodwaters had almost dried up from the earth. Noah lifted back the covering of the boat and saw that the surface of the ground was drying. Two more months went by, and at last the earth was dry. Then God said to Noah, leave the boat, all of you, you and your wife and your sons and their wives, Release all the animals, the birds, the livestock, the small animals that scurry along the ground so they can be fruitful and multiply throughout the earth. So Noah and his wife and his sons and their wives left the boat and all the large and small animals and birds came out of the boat pair by pair. I know it's a long, long, but I want you to get the whole idea because sometimes with, with Noah and the ark, we already have all these pre preconceived ideas. We never actually read the whole story. We've heard about it. People have told us about it. We saw Evan Almighty. <laughs> so we think we know all about it. But there's more to it than just that. So I'm glad you were able to read it with me. Go ahead and have your seat this morning. <coughs> Amen. There was a movie that came out um, at the beginning of the year, and it was called Click. Anybody see that? Where... Um, Michael Newman, who was played by Adam Sandler, is given a true uni universal remote control that has the power to influence real life. He can mute people's voices. Did you like that? When he went, stop. I don't want to, he didn't want to hear his wife. Click. Don't get any ideas. He would fast forward through annoying conversations, and he would even rewind past experiences. And the reason that he was given this remote control for life was because he was unsatisfied at work. He was too busy at home, and he wanted to regain control over his overstepped world. He wants advice on a plan to skip the next two months because he wants that promotion for his job now. 
He can't wait for it to happen. He wants what he wants right now. Anybody identify with that? Well, no one knew about waiting on God. There were, they were in the ark for seven days before anything took place. Before there was the pitter-patter of little raindrops, they were in there for seven long days. Seven days where there was doubt, fear, wondering, did I really hear God's voice? Wondering, did God forget all about what he said he was going to do? Seven long days of waiting on God to move. Now the Bible says, but God remembered Noah and all the animals. He remembered. And I want to remind you this morning that even though you think he's forgotten you, he hasn't. He remembered. G. Campbell Morgan said this, waiting on God is not laziness. Waiting on God is not going to sleep. Waiting on God is not the abandonment of effort. Waiting for God means first, activity under command. Second, readiness for any new command that may come. And third, the ability to do nothing until the command is given. So there's some lessons that I want to share with you about waiting on God from Noah's life. The first thing that we can learn about waiting on God is that Noah waited through the storm. In chapter 7 of verse 11 and 12, it says the Bible <coughs> states that when Noah was 600 years old, on the 17th day of the second month, all the underground waters erupted from the earth and the rain fell in mighty torrents from the sky. And the rain continued for 40 days and 40 nights. Now, Bible scholars have suggested a scientific explanation for this extraordinary rainfall, which is known as the canopy theory. They say that before the flood, the earth was similar to the planet Saturn, and the planet Saturn has rings around it. And those rings that surround that planet force a canopy around it. And scientists say that that's the way the earth was way back then. Astronomers of today believe that those rings, they've done research, those rings now around Saturn are made of chunks of ice and rock that range from specks of dust to icebergs bigger than a house. That's what's in those rings. So with this theory of a canopy surrounding the Earth, we can understand the collapse of this happening and that the earth became totally flooded because the rings around the earth just collapsed. Scientists believe in this theory because, first of all, there was no rain before the flood. The ground was watered by a mist. Then archaeology tells us that vegetation was in all parts of the earth. Everywhere there was earth, there was vegetation, which means that it was more of a tropical climate all year round. Then, <coughs> for dinosaurs who were alive during those times, God created dinosaurs. When you look at them in the Smithsonian or in books, they were real, but they were predominantly plant-eating animals. And they ate all the plants. 
there was a lot of plants back then. It also accounts for such a long life. Noah got the call of God when he was 600 years old. I mean, we get 60 and we're like, he was 600 years old when he got the call of God to do something great for him. But because of the rings and because of the canopy effect, it accounts for the long life that people had because the ultraviolet rays of the sun were shielded. That couldn't get through. And then the last reason that they believed in this theory is because when God divided the atmosphere, I don't want you to look now, but when you go home, I want you to look at this. When God divided the atmosphere on day two from the sky and the waters, he did not say it was good as he did on the other days because he hadn't finished dividing the atmosphere. He knew he was going to do it later. Interesting. It says that in, in day two. Another theory, besides the canopy, is that the earth came so close to another planet that it upset the whole gravitational equilibrium of the earth and it raised the ocean level, it created tides of water, and so that caused the flood. <coughs> it doesn't matter what you believe, to be honest with you. What's important is that you believe there was a flood. Scientists and, and archaeologists for years and years and years have gathered information from every tribe, every culture, every different part of uh, nationality, and every single culture has the flood in their past. They all believe in the flood. So let's get back to the storm. God's tsunami. Some of you today may feel like you're in the middle of a storm. Everything is coming against you. The canopy of your life has collapsed. And you've come to close to crashing in your relationships and you're feeling overwhelmed from everywhere. I want to remind you of something. Everybody in this room is either coming out of a storm, going into a storm, or just getting out of a storm. Every single one of us falls into one of those categories. And if you're like my life, my storms just kind of overlap. I never know when I'm coming out or when I'm going in. <coughs> John 16, says, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me here on earth. You will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Isaiah 43, 2, one of my favorite scriptures says, when you go through the deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. Isn't that awesome? What is God's promise? God's promise is that he's going to take you through the storm. He's going to protect you through the storm. The scripture says when you go through those deep waters, when you go through those rivers of difficulty, when you walk through that fire of oppression, 
He's going to protect you. You're not going to drown. You're not going to burn up. You're not going to, everything that you think is going to happen, it's not going to happen because he's going to protect you. That's his promise. Psalm 32, 6 says, Therefore, let all the godly pray to you while there is still time that they may not drown in the floodwaters of judgment. God will keep you through your storm. Noah was able to persevere through the storm. Secondly, Noah waited through his struggles and discouragement. Now, verse 15 of chapter 7 says, Two by two they came into the boat, representing every living thing that breathes. Now, I don't know if you can picture the ark and living with all these animals. you got to live with the smell. you got to feed them. you got to clean out their stalls. You got to fight that feeling of being confined. You didn't have no windows. Can you imagine the stench? Imagine all these animals on board. There's a book that's called The Genesis Flood that I read, and the author states that there were over 35,000 individual animals. Can you imagine? I can't imagine. It's, it's like beyond me. When you go to a, a a zoo, imagine them all together. Bizarre. And Noah and his wife and his kids cooped up in that crowded ark. No windows, stale air, only monotonous work to do. I'm sure that Noah had times where he felt like God had forgotten him. Seven days, no pitter-patter of raindrops. For seven days, you're in with all these animals and they're already beginning to smell. I know every wife in this room would have complained. What happened? I thought God talked to you. I thought he spoke to you. What happened? Because that's what I would have done. It would have been hard for Noah not to feel worried, not to feel lonely. He just spent 120 years serving God. 120 years. And now God is silent for seven straight days. He's put into a dark, deep, windowless, floating barn. And God never tells him how long he's going to be there. He doesn't tell him, I'm going to let it rain for so many days and then this. And he doesn't tell him anything. He just says, this is what I want you to do. Take the animals, go two by two. I'm going to shut the door, and that's it. So can you imagine how he felt? He was struggling. He was discouraged. No rain, no pitter-patter of raindrops. All these animals. How long am I going to be in this place? Then you've got your wife. Then you've got your kids. Then you've got the other animals. You know they're not quiet. You add it all up. Noah went through some hard, hard times. If you add up all the days that it rained, the raven, the dove that was sent out twice, the covering of the ark being removed, waiting another 57 days, we read all of these days, it would be exactly one year from the day that they entered the boat to the time that they were released. One whole year. 
Sometimes we think that the flood was over in 40 days, but that was the length of the rainstorm. It wasn't the length of the whole flood, it was just the length of the rainstorm. The earth remained underwater for 150 days. Five months passed the 40 days. <coughs> God never told Noah how long he was going to be there. The plan could have been to keep Noah there for 20 years. Noah didn't know. He had no idea how long he was going to be stuck in that boat. And what I, what I want you to see is that this was not a luxury cruise line. There were no swimming pools, no movies, no shows to see after dinner, no cruise director. There were no showers, no washing machines. You have to imagine the family of Noah was beginning to get on each other's nerves. There was no picnic on this boat. But through it all, the Bible says that Noah was faithful. How long have you been waiting for one of God's promises to come to pass? One day? One week? One month? One year? 25 years? Maybe what you feel that you're going through is maybe too hard for you. It's too difficult for you. It's too big for you. You got things happening at your house, things happening at your work, things happening in your relationship. And you're just waiting on God. Waiting on God through these circumstances means that you continue doing what God asks you to do, even though it's hard. Even though he hasn't told you how long you're going to be in this ark. Even though he hasn't given you all the little details. You got to persevere through the storm. You got to know that you can do it. Because God says he's going to meet all of your needs. All of your needs. Matthew 6, 31 to 33 says, so don't worry about these things. Say, what am I going to eat? What am I going to drink? What am I going to wear? These thoughts dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly father already knows all of your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above everything else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. There's nothing in here that says he will give you everything you want. You want that brand new $500 iPod? It ain't here. You want that brand new uh, latest uh, video camera, phone? I mean, you, you, you know, we all want the latest little toys. And why do we want the latest little toys? Because we get to pull them out. Flash. Guess what I got? He says he's going to meet all of our needs. I don't see anybody suffering here from malnutrition. He meets all of our needs. And let me throw in a plug for all the new members. He's met your needs today for lunch. Not the congregation, just the new members, okay? Don't say why. God said he's going to meet all my needs, and, and it's here. Now, this is for all the new members. All of you who have come the last six months or less, God has met your need. And he'll do that. The ways that you least expect, he will meet your need. Thirdly, <coughs> Noah waited through his insecurity. In verse 17 through 20, it says, For 40 days the floodwaters grew deeper, 
covering the ground and lifting the boat high above the earth. And I want you to know something. You're in a boat. They didn't, you know, they weren't created like they create cruise ships today. Can you imagine that boat being lifted by the water? And then them going, talk about seasick. This way, and because it was raining, flooding, moving. I can't even imagine what it was like. It says, and the waters rose higher and higher above the ground. The boat floated safely on the surface. Finally, the water covered even the highest mountain on the earth, rising more than 22 feet above the highest mountain. I think Mount Everest is the highest mountain in the world, and it was even 22 feet past that. I know that there were insecurities that came up in Noah's life and in his family. Is there going to be enough food for us to eat? Did we, did we bring enough food in here? What about the animals? Do we have enough food for them? What happens if we run out of food for them? Are they going to eat each other? Are they going to eat us? What if there isn't? What are we going to do? When is it going to stop raining? What's the earth going to look like after? What if I get sick? What if the animals get sick? You know how we just go from one thing to another. We just, we're worry warts. We love to worry. Some of you, you love your little rocking chair of worry. <laughs> and what if this? And what if that? And all you do is just rocking back and forth because nothing's going to get accomplished. You're just rocking. You just love your little rocking chair of worry. Constantly saying, and what are we going to do about this? And what if this? And what if that? Well, what if? My God shall supply all your need. I want to remind you in Hebrews 10, 23, it says, <coughs> let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. God can be trusted to keep his promise. If he's given you a promise, you've opened up his word, and that word just jumped out at you, that's your promise. You hold on to it. You don't let it go. He will be able to fulfill his promise because he can be trusted. Now, I don't know if you can trust that person next to you or the person in front of you or the person in back of you. Don't be looking around. I don't know how well you can trust them, but I'm going to tell you one person you can trust. You can trust God. He says right here, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Number four, Noah waited and persevered through grief and heartache. Verse 21 through 23 says that all living things on the earth died. Birds, domestic animals, wild animals, small animals, all the people that breathed and lived on dry land died. Everything, everything died. Everyone that Noah had grown up with, all his friends, all his neighbors, those that he worked with, those that he was related to, all died. Everybody, everyone that he ever knew was dead except his wife and his three sons and their wives. Eight people. That's the extent of all the people that he knew from now on. That's it. That's a lot of grief to experience. Imagine 
There is nobody left in your family. Everybody's gone. Isaiah 40 says this, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly. Tell her that her sad days are gone and her sins are pardoned. Yes, the Lord has furnished, punished her twice over for all her sins. Listen, it is the voice of someone shouting. Clear the way through the wilderness for the Lord. Make the straight highway through the wasteland for our God. Fill the valleys, level the mountains and hills, straighten the curves, smooth out the rough places. Then the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all people will see it together. He talks about comfort. There's a promise in here that God will comfort us in our grief and pain. Maybe this morning you're facing death in your, within your, a close friend or a family member, or you look at old pictures and wonder, where did the time go? You wish you had just a few more minutes. This morning God wants to comfort you. Maybe you're facing divorce or separation. You come home from work to an empty house and you wonder what happened. God wants to comfort you this morning. Or maybe you feel unloved. Maybe your mom and dad didn't give you what you needed. Maybe your relationship with your spouse is not where it should be. Your good times are just a memory. Your children don't want anything to do with you. God wants to comfort you this morning. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and you feel abandoned. You look for friends and you look for family and there's nobody there. They don't pick up your call. And you call out to God and it doesn't even seem like he's answering. Your heart is lonely. I want to let you know something. God wants to comfort you this morning. See, being faithful is not always easy. Because sometimes we're called to wait, and sometimes we're called to wait in silence. See, most of us are not patient people. We're not. I, you know, I don't know about you, but I get frustrated. I was frustrated coming to church this morning. My daughter's my witness. So I have to just cop, expose myself. There was a driver in front of me that was <laughs> so slow. I was like, and I'm talking. You know how you talk to the person in front of you? They can't understand or hear a word you're saying, but I'm still talking. Excuse me, would you speed it up? I have to get to church. Come on, step on the gas, come on. And I'm talking to them, and my daughter says, uh, uh, are you, are you, uh, are, you know, because I, okay, I really have to tell you. <coughs> Forgive me for anybody here. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you exactly what I said because she's already here. I said, you know what? I bet you that driver is Asian. <laughs> because they're, they're slow. They're so careful. Asian drivers are very careful drivers. I'm not as careful. That's the truth. And so I went around them. Sure enough, okay, there you are. And then my daughter, my daughter says, was that a racist remark? And I said, yeah, but they're just careful. Because <laughs> I'm not very patient sometimes when I drive. I get frustrated when I have to go behind someone who's slow. 
Did anybody under, uh, identify here? Am I the only one? Oh, thank you, thank you. We're all in the same boat, okay. You're all looking at me like, okay, man, she just like came down five notches here. <laughs> I'm the kind that when I'm gonna pull up to a, a, a stoplight, I measure, okay, how many cars are in this lane? How many cars are in this lane? This, this car looks new, okay, that car's gonna go faster. This car looks old, it ain't going nowhere. So I get behind the newer car. I get impatient when there's a lot of people in the checkout line, and uh, you know, it's so funny because there's a commercial now where everybody's going by and they just do the visa real quick. And everybody's just going real quick, and then all of a sudden, somebody pulls out their checkbook. And you're like, what is wrong with you? Just get your visa, get, get through. Let's, because we're just like, come on, come on, let's do it, let's go, let's go. We got things to do, people to see, places to go, and we just wanna do what we wanna do when we wanna do it. We want our internet connection to be faster. I mean, and it's fast already, and there it's not fast enough. We put our food in the microwave so it'll be ready in a couple of minutes. We carry credit cards so we don't have to wait for people who do checks. We read condensed books because we don't want to read the whole thing. <laughs> Cliff notes on everything. We carry our cell phones so that we can communicate anywhere, anytime with anybody. What happens is that this attitude leaks over into our faith. We want God right now. Come on, right now. I need it right now. I mean, I have my food right now. I have my computer right now, my cell phone right now. Everything is right now. I need you to answer me right now. And so doubt comes into our life when God delays in answering our prayers the way we want. We get frustrated. We don't understand the Bible the first time we read it. Forget it. I'm not even going to read this anymore. It doesn't make sense to me anyway. But God knows that some lessons can only be learned over time. There are some things that we cannot understand. Sometimes it's necessary that we spend time in the waiting room. Now you might know what it feels like to sit in an intensive care or surgical waiting room. Time passes so slow. Every half hour, we check the clock only to realize it's only been two minutes. We're wanting to know answers. We try to do other things, but we can only think about the person that we love or the person that we care about that's in surgery. We try to make conversation, but it's all superficial. You do nothing for several hours, but you're physically and emotionally exhausted. The waiting room is a hard place to be, but the waiting room is where God has most of us. There's many waiting rooms in our life. But just like Noah was not forgotten, God hasn't forgotten you either. Second Peter 2.9 says, So you see, the Lord knows how to rescue godly people from their trials, even while keeping the wicked under punishment until the day of final judgment. God remembered Noah. God kept his promise to him. He didn't leave him in that ark. He didn't leave him in that tomb. He gave Noah a new life. And that's what we can take comfort with. 
The trials of this life, whatever they may be, if they're infirmity, if they're illness, if they're addiction, if they're poverty, even death itself, there is something beyond for us that are God's people. I want to read you a little illustration of a teacup because the teacup is telling its story. It says, there was a time when I was just a red lump of clay. My master took me and he rolled me and he patted me over and over and over. I yelled out, leave me alone. But he only smiled and said, not yet. And then I was placed on a spinning wheel. Suddenly I was spun around and around and around. Stop, I'm getting dizzy. I said, the master only nodded and said, not yet. Then he put me in an oven. I never felt such heat. I wondered why he wanted to burn me, and I yelled, and I knocked on the door so I could see him through the opening, and I could read his lips as he nodded his head and said, not yet. Finally, the oven door opened, and he put me on a shelf, and I began to cool. That's better, I said. And then suddenly, he grabbed me, and he brushed me, and he began to paint me all over. I thought I was going to suffocate. I thought I was going to gag. The fumes were horrible. And he just smiled and said, not yet. And then suddenly, he put me back into an oven. Not like the first one, but it was even twice as hot. And I knew now I was going to suffocate. I begged, I screamed, I yelled, and all the time I could see him through the opening, smiling and nodding. Not yet. Not yet. And then I knew there was no hope. I knew that I wasn't going to make it. I was ready to give up when the door opened and he took me out and he put me on a shelf. Then an hour later, he came back and he handed me a mirror and he said, look at yourself. And I did. And I said, that can't be me. I'm beautiful. Warren Worsby said that when God permits his children to go through the furnace, God keeps his eye on the clock and he keeps his hand on the thermostat. He knows exactly how long to keep you in the oven. God remembered Noah. He remembers you. He knows your troubles. He knows the difficulties that you're going through. It's like a pebble. If you hold that pebble in front of your eye, that's all you see. It's so big. It's so huge. And if you were to take it out here, you'd be able to see it a little bit better. But if you were to put that pebble where it belonged, on the ground, you would begin to see that it's not really that big of a trouble. It's not really that big of a trial when you hang on to God's word. I want to remind you again, God hasn't forgotten you. He remembered Noah. He remembers you. Isaiah 54, 9 and 10. There's the last scripture I want to read you. It says, just as I swore in the time of Noah that I would never again let a flood cover the earth, so now I swear that I will never again 
be angry and punish you. For the mountains may move and the hills disappear, and even then my faithful love for you will remain. My covenant of blessing will never be broken, says the Lord. I will have mercy on you. Stand with me this morning. And as your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, some of you may feel like that teacup this morning. You're being put in the oven and you've been going through it. And it's been hard and it's been difficult. And you don't always understand why you have to be put back into the furnace again. You don't understand why God is allowing things to take place in your life. Noah didn't understand everything that God was doing in his life, but he persevered. He kept going because he knew that God was someone that he could trust. His promises do come to pass. Not the way we want, nor when we want, nor how we want. But some of you here have been struggling in believing him and his promises because it's been such a hard road. I want to remind you, he hasn't forgotten you. He hasn't forgotten you. There might be someone here this morning you don't know Christ as your personal Savior. You really can't say he hasn't forgotten you because that's how you feel this morning. And if you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, I want to give you an opportunity to know him this morning. I'd like to pray with you. If you'd raise your hand, I'd like to be able to pray with you this morning. If you don't know Christ as your personal Savior. And for the rest of you, if you've been struggling and you're waiting on God, if you've been yelling like that teacup, I can't do this anymore. If you're struggling with his promises this morning, he hasn't forgotten you. He's faithful to his promise. Whatever he promised you, he will do it. And if you need strength, encouragement, to know that he's going to be faithful, I'm going to open up the altars for you to come this morning so that we can pray together and remind you he hasn't forgotten you. He hasn't forgotten you. Yeah. 
discouragement through my insecurities through my heartaches through everything I want to be able to know that in this waiting room you haven't forgotten me just like you remembered Noah your word says you remember me. And I'm going to stand on your word this morning. That though it doesn't look like there's going to be any way out, your word says don't worry about anything. You will meet all of my needs. Your word says that you will comfort me. Your word says that you know how to rescue the godly from each of their trials. Your word says that, that your love is faithful and your covenant of blessing will never be broken. Help me to remember no matter what I go through, no matter what I experience, no matter what I'm waiting on, you are faithful to your word. Help me to trust you. Help me to lean on you. Help me to know you. In Jesus' name. Lord, I pray for every person here at the altar. They've all come up for different reasons. They've all come up with different things that are going on in their life. Disappointments, grief, heartache, struggles. 
expectations that have not been met. All of those things, Lord, they're all there. You're the only one who can meet that need in our life. You're the only one who can go down and meet us exactly where we're at. Your covenant of blessing will never be broken. Your love is steadfast. No matter what we go through, Lord, help us to persevere through the storm. Help us to persevere through the storm that we would not lose hope, that we would not get too discouraged to the point of walking away, that we won't be like that teacup that would kick open that oven door and say, I don't want to do this anymore. But Lord, we would go through the process. We would allow you to take us through the process, no matter how difficult, no matter how defeated we may feel, we would go through the process. Because in the end, in the end, we will be able to look at the mirror and say, wow, Lord, I'm beautiful because of what you put me through. I'm beautiful. Let your face shine through our life. Let your love shine through our life. Shine through us, Lord, in our words, in our actions, in our attitude. Be real. In Jesus' name I pray. Stand by everything you said. Stand by the promises we made. Let go of everything I've done. I'll run into your open arms All I know And all I know I love you I love you More than love I love you, Lord And I He will not only answer, but he'll meet the need. 
He will meet the need. And you just got to stand strong. And you got to trust him. Even if you don't see it happening, even if you don't see things changing, even if you don't see the people, God is faithful to his promise. Stand on his word. Stand on his promises. Just stand. When you can't do anything else, when you can't move forward, just stand. Just stand. Be immovable, always abounding in the work and the word of the Lord. Just stand. Don't let him push you. Don't let him get the victory in your life. Just stand. Just stand. Hallelujah. You are You're faithful to your people. You have the power to provide. You You'll come again in glory, Jesus, you are worthy, you alone, yes. and you alone, you alone, there is no
him for his strength. Thank him for the encouragement of the word. Thank him right now. Thank him all.